Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. If I look sunburnt, um, which I am, number one is genetics. Um, number two, it's because yesterday I did this thing called a tough mutter. Has anybody ever heard of a tough mutter? If you haven't, it's eight miles, eight to ten miles of running with 26 challenging obstacles in between, right? Well, Tough Mudder is this big organization. They put on these crazy obstacle course races, and um, me and a few members of this church decided it would be a good idea to do it. And um, and you got to pay quite a bit of money for it, too, so you're basically paying to be put through the ringer. Um, and, uh, I don't know if you guys looked at the weather the past few days, but it's been pouring rain, right? So you think, all right, it's going to be muddy, right? Well, they also prepped the course to be muddy before it rained. So we get there and I don't think Tough Mudder expected this much mud. Um, there was no, usually it's, you're running in between obstacles and there's a little bit of mud. There was no path. It was ankle-deep mud the entire eight miles. Up hills, steep hills, where you're just crawling and just putting your face in the mud. And um, it was demoralizing. It really was, was what it was. And um, I think sometimes, guys, we expect life, we expect God's will, like what Jay talked about, to be this this amazing like red carpet rolls out for you. Everybody's high-fiving you and... Um, you're awesome, you're doing what God told you to do, um, and it's glamorous. Well, guys, I think following Jesus is a little bit more like a tough mutter than the red carpet. And um, so if I, I'm kind of in pain from yesterday, so bear with me. Um, but guys, God's will, and I'm glad Jay talked about it, is something Christ followers talk a lot about, but sometimes we're not so good at living it out. We talk about you know following Jesus, living for God, but we struggle with it. If we if we're, we're not careful, it's this thing we just talk about but never do. Um, and it was something I wrestled deeply with in college and still wrestle with today. And I want to pray for us before we dive in, and then we're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you that. Thank you for my daughter. And thank you for just the joy that she brings. Thank you for, God, just who you are. That you've prepared this morning from the beginning of time. You knew every single one of us was going to be in this room. We're not here by an accident. We're not here by chance. God, you, and I believe if, if we're here on purpose, then you have something for us this morning. God, we want to be better at following you no matter what you tell us to do. God, there's people in this room that have no idea where you're leading them. And I pray today that this would open their eyes, open their hearts. If you would, just take a second to pray for me that I would be a blessing to you and and listen to the Spirit today. Take a moment to prepare your heart to hear from God this morning. Jesus, help us follow you. It's in your name. Amen. 
So when Heather and I got engaged, it's a long, felt like a long time ago. I mean, it's it's been almost about five years ago. Isn't that crazy? Man, I feel old. Um, but one of the big questions that her father had was, how are you going to provide for my daughter, right? I did not have a job lined up. Um, took a chance saying, hey, I'm blessing this relationship, right? Um, so I needed to find a job. I needed to find something that was going to pay the bills. Um, I graduated Liberty University with a business degree, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a business job. Um, I'm going to, you know, I could probably do it well, you know, work my way up some company. Um, but at the same time, I was a young life leader, and I loved hanging out with kids. I loved hanging out with um, students, and I loved um, getting to share Jesus with them. So immediately, I was posed with the question, which path am I going to go down? Am I going to go the business route, or am I going to go the ministry route? And I remember, but at that time, I still needed to find a job. I still needed to find something to pay the bills, so I got a job at Liberty. And the perk about working at Liberty was, after six months, they paid for you to get a master's degree. Um, They also paid for your spouse's education. Heather was going to be finishing her senior year the year after that, after we're going to get married. So I'm like, okay, this is a pretty good it's a pretty good deal, right? I'm going to work for Liberty. You'll be here for a few years doing grad school. But then I started to wrestle with, okay, which which degree do I want to get? Do I want to go the seminary route for ministry, or do I want to go the business route and get an MBA? And I remember one day I told God, it was, I mean, I know it seems like a small decision now, but for me at that time, I was, I was really struggling with this. I was really wrestling with this. I remember <laughs> I told God, I'm like, I'm going to go out in the woods, and I'm going to stay out here until you give me an answer, right? So I go out, and our school was like 30 minutes from the Appalachian Trail. I go off the grid. Needless to say, I only lasted a few hours out there, and uh, I didn't get an answer that I wanted. Um, And I remember, regardless of the big questions that I had, the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, there was something that day where that God cemented on my heart. Um, And there's things that we're called to as Christians no matter what, no matter where we are, no matter what profession we're in, if we're a stay-at-home mom, if we're a vet, if we work at McDonald's, um, if we work at Grant, wherever we work, Louis Giglio puts it this way, we are to know Jesus and to make him known. To know Jesus and to make him known. All the other stuff is secondary. If, If you're not knowing Jesus and making him known, then you're not following God's will. And I remember it gave me assurance at that moment. It's like, okay, whatever path I take, if I'm knowing Jesus and making him known to those around me, I'm following God's will. Little did I know that God was engineering something behind the scenes that would alter Heather and I's life. Guys, we're going to look today at a story in the book of Acts. Um, about the church that was spreading rapidly. And we're going to talk about following Jesus no matter dot, dot, dot. But the, 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 the church of Acts was, was multiplying, it was expanding, things were amazing, and then they experienced heavy persecution. And that persecution scattered them. They probably had questions, like, God, what are you doing? 
Is this your will? But we're going to find out today what that church did and how they followed Jesus. So if you just stand this morning, we're going to read in Acts 8, 4 through 8. And you can read along with me on the screen. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. You guys can have a seat. Guys, Philip used his opportunity. Even though he couldn't stay in Jerusalem, he went to Samaria, which was an area that the Jews did not go. They were racially different, socioeconomically different. They hated him. And he goes to the city and he says, you know what, instead of being a cry-cry about my situation, I'm going to go and know Jesus and make him known to this city. Guys, they were experiencing miracles. Revival was breaking out in the city. So guys, what that tells us is that God has all of us in this city, all of us in this town, for a reason. To know Jesus and to make him known. No matter what our circumstance, no matter where we're at, like I said, wherever your profession lands you, our job as Christ followers is to know Jesus and make him known. Philip took advantage of that. People were hanging on every word. So guys, whenever um, Heather and I were at Liberty, like I said, our plan was to stay there a few years. Um, We were going to do schooling. We had an amazing community in Lynchburg. We had awesome college friends. Some were sticking around. We were excited. We were were newly married, right? So we were in the honeymoon stage of life, and we were just loving life. Nothing could be, nothing could go wrong, right? Um... And students that we knew there were coming to Jesus. But God was going to take us on a different journey than we thought. A journey that I didn't think would be possible. And here's the three things that I've learned on this journey. We must follow Jesus no matter where he leads. If you look in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, This is the same Philip that was preaching revival in an amazing time, an amazing place. He says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So guys, Philip was in, he was in the zone. Things were happening. Uh, People were being saved. People were being healed from demons. People were being healed. And then God immediately says, all right, Philip, it's time for you to go. You're going to go south to the desert road. Doesn't even tell him what's going to be there. He says, you have to leave. You have to go to this desolate wilderness. And Philip, you know, he could have protested and said, you know what, God, I think I, think I should stay here. Things are going well. And Philip says, no, i got to go. And he goes, and he sees this, this procession happening of this important guy. Almost think of like a presidential motorcade, right? 
and you're watching this happen. And so basically he was reading the scroll of Isaiah. We'll, we'll talk about in a second what was going on. But Heather and I, we just signed a lease in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, and we got a call from Heather's uncle and said, hey, uh, Heather, Heather, would Joe be interested in applying for the youth pastor position here in Navasota? Heather was pumped because um, she wanted to get back to Texas. Um, but I know uh, I'd never, never lived in Texas. The only time I've been in Texas was to visit Heather. I thought everything was going to be ghost town and tumbleweed. Uh, pretty much everybody that doesn't live in Texas, that's their perception, is West Texas everywhere. Um, I know, I'm naive. Um, but I remember I was super hesitant. I was like, we got our, we got our plans, we just signed a lease, I just started a job up here. Like, this isn't going to happen. But the, the farther that we went into the process, the more we knew that this was where we were supposed to go. God was calling us out of Samaria and to the desert road, if you will. And I'm not saying this is a desert, okay? Um, and I remember backtrack a year before, before we were married, I was visiting Heather, and I opened my big mouth. And husbands, I'm sure you've, you've said stupid things that you wish you could re- retract and reverse immediately as soon as it comes out of your mouth. But I remember this. I said, I could never see myself being a pastor, and I could never live, quote, in an uncivilized small town. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't use that, e- easy. And I remember um, Heather got, a, you know, pretty furious because she's like, my dad's a pastor and I grew up in a small town. And I'm like, oh, that was not my best move right there. Uh, and, and guys, be careful when you say those things because God really does reverse it on you. Um, I remember I, that was when, I mean, you think I learned my lesson, but I've had to... Um, apologize many more times after that. Um, so, you know, we came down here in July, and you guys voted us in, and we knew we are supposed to be here. I remember packing up our really, like, the smallest U-Haul you can get. We didn't have much stuff, and we packed that U-Haul, and I'm pulling it in my Subaru Forester, and we're, and we're moving to Navasota. Um, I remember... This is a funny story that you can make fun of me about. We, we stayed the first night in, uh, in Nashville. It was going to be like a three-day drive. And uh, we stopped at the hotel. My buddy who lived in Nashville came, picked us up, and took us into the city and said, hey, I want to take you to like this really good barbecue place. So we enjoy barbecue. It was awesome. We get all the way back to the hotel. It was about a 30-minute drive. And, uh, and Heather's like, hey, I... I don't know where my purse is. I think I left it at the restaurant. I'm like, okay. I'm like, not a big deal. She's like, well, my keys are in there because we had to drive both of our cars, right? So we're like, okay, if we don't find this purse, how are we going to get her car to Navasota, right? Well, we call the restaurant. We're like, hey, I think you left our purse there. You know, is everything okay? And immediately they're like, yeah, we, we can't find it. It's not here. I'm like, okay. Well, being the spiritual leader that I am, I said, Babe, everything's going to be fine. They probably were just busy. They didn't see it. Let's just drive back in. It's going to be there. 
you know, everything's great. Um, well, first thing that went wrong was I couldn't figure out how to get the U-Haul trailer off of my car, right? So I'm like, I'm working at this thing. I'm like, screw it. Like, we're just gonna, we're, I'm just gonna drive into Nashville with the U-Haul. Like, it is what it is, right? So we're 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 flying into Nashville. Immediate torrential downpour starts, right? Can't see anything. Cars are swerving in and out of us. Um, I park at this convenience store next to the restaurant, and I jackknife the trailer, right? Okay. I pulled it in too close. It was like wedged like this. And I'm like, it's okay. Uh, Heather's going to go in. She's going to get her purse, come out, help me get out of this mess. Like, everything's fine, right? Well, she comes out of the restaurant and she shakes her head, no purse. And immediately I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. What are we going to do? And I'm like, hey, before you get in the car, can you like help me like get out of the spot? Because this isn't, this isn't working real well. We go to the police station. I don't even know why we did this. Filed a missing purse report. Um, we're already starting to like think about cancel our credit cards. Yeah, it's. I don't know what we were doing. We were we were tired and um, we had a few few discussions in that car. Um, and we're thinking like, all right, we're gonna have to go to a a Chevy dealership, cut a new key tomorrow, like all this stuff. And um, as soon as we go back. We get to the hotel, we lay down because we're exhausted, phone calls, and the restaurant had found the purse. And we're like, really? Like, where was it? Come on. Um, but needless to say, we made it to Navasota, um, and our first Texas experience was on a double wide on Skip and Cindy's property. Our neighbors were cows, um, and we had 100 bucks to our name, right? And I remember our first paycheck at First Baptist. Like, Heather and I look at each other and we're just like, we're rich. This is crazy, right? So, why do I tell you that? Because, guys, no matter where he leads you, we can kick, we can kick and scream and fight it. Or you can step into the unknown and say, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you. I have no idea what to expect. And he's going to show up. And the second thing that I learned is we must follow Jesus, not only no matter where he leads, but also no matter who he brings along. So here's what happens to Philip. Philip gets there, and he sees this thing going, and then it says this in verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading the Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So guys, this, this Ethiopian official had no idea what he was reading. Philip kind of says, hey, you know what's going on? Do you know what you're reading? And he's like, no, like, I don't have anybody to explain it to me. He hops up in the chariot, and what he was reading was a prophecy about Jesus, about how he's going to be killed for us, that he's going to die, suffering servant. And he says, and then he goes on and says, tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began 
with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As the traveler looked along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized them. Guys, Philip had to listen to the initial voice of God, but then he also had to listen to God's voice when he got there. And every single day. And that's what we have to do. We have to, there's going to be these big moments that we have in our lives that we have to obey. But then when we get there, we have to listen. If Philip wasn't listening to the Spirit, he would have just let this thing go by. And who knows what would have happened. Guys, as Christians, we have to be listening to the Spirit daily for those divine encounters. If you're like, Joe, I don't have those moments. Then number one, you're not a Christ follower. Because when you're a Christ follower, the Spirit dwells within you and He speaks to you. Number two, you're, you're hearing it, but you're not listening. You feel those moments of, hey, I need to pull over and help this person, but you don't do it. Oh, hey, I know I need to talk to that person, but you don't do it. And guys, God has, we don't have to look far to follow His will. He has all these divine encounters in front of us. And guys, that's what Heather and I have had to do. We've never experienced huge revival in this place. But we've had hundreds of divine encounters here that we've had to listen to the Spirit for. We can't just be like, all right, we're here. Like, all right, God, what's next? No, like, you have to, wherever God calls you, you have to be 100% listening to His voice. And guys, we've seen God take a youth group and make it like look like the biblical picture of the church. We've seen students go from death to life. We've built relationships with people in this community that we never in a million years would have thought could happen. That's what we're called to do. We're called to point people to Jesus. We're called to know Jesus and make him known. And God wants to use you. And it's exhilarating. It's amazing. But the more we just we grow cold to the voice of God. And we say, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. God doesn't have to put up with that for a long time. He can say, you know what? I'm going to go use a different servant who's listening to my voice. We have to be so in tune with that, guys. He's t- like, If you ask him, he will show you. He loves you. And not only that, not only who he brings along, but we have to follow Jesus no matter what he wills us to do. Verse 39 says this, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. God, guys, Philip had completed his task on the desert road. God took him to the next stop of his journey. God has all the authority with us to do whatever he pleases. It says we used to be slaves of sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness and God. He's our master. He's our Lord. And we have to follow him. What's he saying to you guys this morning? What's he been telling you that you've been ignoring for years? What's that family member that he's been telling you to share your faith with that you're just reluctant? Because you think they're going to respond in a weird way. 
What's that coworker that he wants you to talk to? What's the spirit telling you? Well, some of you might be like, I don't know, Joe. I don't know what he's telling me. Well, start knowing Jesus and making him known, and you will. God's awesome like that. Maybe today, guys, the Spirit is telling you to repent and believe in the message of Jesus. That God created you in his image, that he loves you. But just like Adam and Eve, we have gone far from God. We have this problem that's called sin. Sin separates us from a holy God. We can't do enough good things to erase our sin. We can't just hope that God's going to let us into heaven one day. Sin separates us. It says we are condemned. We all fall short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death. We can't fix it by being baptized. We can't fix it by our church attendance. We can't fix it by being awesome people. We, f- we fix it by needing a Savior. And Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, came to earth, put on flesh, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life that you could never live. He died the perfect sacrificial death that God desired. He laid him in a tomb. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. The seal was shut tight. But three days later, guys, Jesus defeated death. He raised, he, he showed himself to his disciples. He raised, uh, he was raised from the dead. He ascended it to the right hand of the Father. And now he's saying, will you accept the gift? It's not a good out of hell free ticket. Those things aren't real. Jesus wants you. He wants your life. He wants you to say, God, I can't save myself. I can't get to heaven. I can't be in your presence. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, thank you for what you've done. The gift of salvation on the cross. And that you rose from the dead. That he's the only one that's ever beat death. And and the Bible says that we will beat death if we've been buried and raised to life with him. Guys, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you've heard that a hundred times, but... That's life. That's all we got. That's our hope. And one day we're going to reign forever in the new heavens and new earth with actual bodies. We're not going to be angels with harps. We're not going to be in this celestial thing that sounds boring. We're going to be worshiping and being with Jesus in a literal, real place. It's going to be amazing. So guys, I don't know what God's telling you to do this morning, but as we pray um, and as we sing the song, would you come and would you uh, receive what he has for you this morning? Let's pray together. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for what it means to follow your will. It's not always this big, flashy production. God, following your will is just listening and obeying. No matter what the outcome might be. We're trusting that to your hands. For some of us this morning, it's, it's listening and obeying your spirit that it's time to accept you. It's time to surrender your life. Repent and believe in the truth of God today. Where you promised that we would have a new identity, that we'd be a new creation, a new life. One that's not perfect, but you're perfect on our behalf. God, some of us 
we've been, we've been running from something that you've been calling us to do for years. And we're too scared to step out. We're too afraid of what might, people might think. We're too afraid of giving up security and comfort. But God, show us that the security and comfort come from living in your will. God, thankful so much for the journey that you brought Heather and I on. God, that we would continue to obey your voice. And that we would obey it together with everyone in this room. We love you and it's in your name. Amen. You guys can stand. We're going to pray. Or not pray, we already prayed. Um, We're going to sing. And uh, if God's been putting something on your heart today and you'd like prayer about it, Clyde and I will be up here at our altar.